Thank this you for listening to the Unholy Apartment. Next week, yeah. we'll be joined Hi. by Hello. Sam and Dale. We do we're things. Just watching episode yeah. three and talking about what we do things. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna talk about the second episode now. All right. In this one, we're gonna talk through the lens of ego, because there's so much ego and pride in this in this show. Yeah, pride, ego—they're kind of interchangeable. Sometimes the less you have, the, the more you need to hold on to those. So you can, Bojack just really wants a job, to say he has a job, and say he's not a washed-up comedian. He's talking to Princess Carolyn and is like, she's saying how great of an agent she is, and he's like, you couldn't even get me a uh, audition for Warhorse. There's like ten horses in that show. I didn't even have to be the main horse. And I don't think he actually wanted to be in it, but he wants to be able to say he's done more things than just his yeah. his sitcom and his show that failed. And then another time I saw was when Mr. Peanut Butter and Bojack, every conversation they have, they try to one-up each other. The competition between the two plays out throughout the first season, mostly relating to Diane. Bojack can be really cutting, and he really tries to cut down Mr. Peanut Butter. It just rolls off of him. He's kind of portrayed as the character with infuriatingly consistent good luck. You know, there are people like that in life. Do you have an instance in which you see ego and pride? I would say it's mostly the ego of a former celebrity coming up against the ego of a veteran. No disrespect for the troops, but sometimes when those two forces collide, you know, it turns into a mess, and that's what it kind of, what kind of happens in this episode. It wraps up on reality TV and there's a resolution, but it's mostly kind of dumb. And that's that's what a lot of conflict in this show is. It's kind of dumb, but it gets blown so way out of proportion because of people's egos and because of their images and because of the people they're trying to publicly be versus the people they actually are. Literally everything in this show is because someone has an ego they're trying to protect and it just gets blown up and they have to take a bigger hit because they blew it up. Oh, here's a question I do have for you. So in this episode, when the whole thing's going down between (laughs) Bojack and the seal, so they're having an interaction and Bojack's doing his long rant about how the military, like, they should be honored but not worshipped. Someone's like, look, Mr. Peanut Butter with a bucket on his head. Do you think Mr. Peanut Butter put that bucket on his head on purpose? I think Mr. Peanut Butter cannot not be the center of attention. I think it's difficult for him. I think he uh, he craves the spotlight even more than BoJack. That's why he continued to work even after he made his money off of his sitcom. So maybe there's a lot of times and instances where Mr. Peanut Butter will just steal BoJack's thun- thunder even when BoJack is making a, a very intelligent and cogent point. Because when I first saw it, I originally thought that, like, it was a way to avoid the situation and de-escalate the situation. And I think that putting on the bucket on the head could be could have been a way to de-escalate the situation and take the focus out of yeah. Bojack and how he's train wrecking yeah. the his apology. Pretty much. I mean, the apology happened on Mr. Peanut Butter's reality TV show. You know, it's it's one of the most intelligent, well-thought-out monologues that BoJack gives throughout this first season. Since it's a reality TV show and it's getting too heavy, Mr. Peanut Butter has to grab attention again. And it's something silly and something everybody finds funny, a dog with a bucket on his head. And it's very likely that in a reality TV setting, 
anything too serious is immediately shoved aside for something lighthearted and easy. Do you think that's a problem? Yeah, the amount of distraction we have nowadays, you know, everyone needs it and that's what BoJack Horseman is to me, is, is is a distraction from the big scary issues, but it's also a comment on them. I think as long as there's there's some intellectual value to the content you consume as entertainment, then go for it. But it's, it's really hard for me to get behind shows about people just living their lives, especially when those people are wealthy and have lives so far removed from the everyday. It's kind of still the ego thing because hard things usually are something that hits your ego or your pride and you can ignore it and keep going or yeah. you can, you know, learn from it and grow. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people don't want to take the hit of that pride hit that they have to yeah. in order to grow. Yeah. And that's the thing about challenging shows, challenging books. Uh, it's not fun to be challenged, but with self-reflection and with connection to character and with a recontextualization of, of one's own situation, uh, that's what leads to growth. That's what leads to being made a better person by a work of art. Bojack's almost a therapy session. It makes you seem not so lo like alone because these characters are going through the same thing. Yeah. And so like them working through it is you therefore by like by proxy of the character working through your problems together. Yeah. So we're going to do Lectio Divina. So it's basically we take a, a scene and we're going to study it at four levels. First one, you look at it narratively. Where is this scene in the storyline? Next, you're looking at it allegorically. So what is it trying to tell you? What is this scene or line trying to tell you? Um, then you're going to look at it metaphorically, kind of what, how can you apply it to your life? And then we have the, what is it calling you to do? Like, what is your call to action? All right. So this scene is where Bojack has to apologize to uh, Neil McBeal. Neil McBeal basically starts it off by saying, you know, say I'm a hero. Bojack has to say, you're a hero. He says, the troops are all heroes, every single one. Neil McBeal goes, great. And I don't believe saying that cheapens the word and actually disrespects those we mean to honor by turning real pe people into political pawns. And Neil McBeal goes, okay, you can just let go of the bag now. And Bojack continues also i'm not deeply ambivalent about a seemingly mandated celebration of our military by a nation that claims to value peace telling our children that violence is never the answer while refusing to hold our government to the same standard neil mcbeal gets uncomfortable goes yeah me neither uh, mr peanut butter th says i think we're in agreement here Bojack's on a roll, so he continues, Furthermore, I do not find it unbelievably appropriate that this conversation is taking place on reality television, a genre which thrives on chopping the complexities of our era into easily digestible chunks of empty catchphrases. And they go, okay. And finally, I don't. And then this is where he gets interrupted. And somebody yells, hey, look, Mr. Peanut Butter got a bucket stuck on his head. That's something that I needed said, that I needed to hear. The military patriotism, the almost mandatory respect for them, it's always made me kind of uncomfortable because I know it's very much person by person, situation by situation. So narratively, it's the wrap up of we're trying, like they're trying to make Neil McBeal and Bojack in the eyes of the public, they are now on yeah. talking terms. Symbolically, what is it trying to tell us? I think Bojack made a really good point when he's like, the more people we call heroes, the less the hero title means. I definitely agree with that. Some troops are totally heroes. All troops have to, to put up with sacrifice, but we can't pretend like a lot of it isn't self-interested because there are benefits to the military. There are 
financial, school benefits. It's a solid career path for really anyone. So when we say it's mandatory to say all military that have served are absolute heroes, it whitewashes it and and cheapens the word. It desaturates the meeting. Back in my good old church days, we were having a discussion about language. And it was more of a sidetracked conversation than the actual topic we were supposed to be talking about. But my teacher goes, world, what do you think of when I say that? And we all sit a thing and he, go, and he says it again. Mm-hmm. And basically he kept saying it multiple times until it doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So like if you type out a word enough, it just stops looking like a word. Yeah. And I think that that's a very powerful thing to remember is yeah. that the words that have meaning or the symbols that have meaning, like flags that have staff even, mm-hmm. because they're half staff so often nowadays, it it's, doesn't have the it, yeah. same meaning as when we were kids and it, yeah. it was down for a week because of, be it like 9-11 yeah. or... Yeah. The governor died or... I don't know if that marks a rise in violence. I don't know what that, that signifies, but a- any symbolism used too often, any title of great respect or even swear word used too often loses its potency, its its ability to affect, to change people's minds and, and change perceptions. And I, th- I think that's really happened to the word hero especially in the context of of the military and military Mm -hmm. service. This is kind of going into our application and call to action. It's just being cognizant of the words we want to have power. Exactly. Knowing that how much you use the word and what context you use the word in or the symbol gives it power, gives it meaning, and the more you use it, the less the meaning is. Thank you for listening to The Unholy Horseman. Next week, I'll be joined by Sam Amadeo. We'll be watching episode three and talking about loyalty.